Spring is in full bloom. Are your finances? With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, you can build credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments, all with no annual fees or interest. With Chime Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been the penny. I will buy the stock for a penny everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Tuesday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel here with Dennis Dick Draw, as I mentioned, out for the rest of the week on some much-needed vacation. Doesn't matter, though, a lot to discuss today. We have earnings from the banks, earnings from Delta Airlines, uh, a big reversal, a key reversal yesterday in the market led by Tesla. We'll talk about all of that and more. Our guest today is Alan Brockstein. He's the author of the 420 Investor Newsletter and a founding partner at New Cannabis Ventures. He will join the show at 8.35. Talk about pot with us. Uh, in the meantime, S&P futures are trading at just about the high this session this morning. Oil trading down 35 cents. Gold hovering around that 1800 level. I'll bring Dennis on now and... Uh, Wow. You know, there are some days that are quiet, some days that are not. Yesterday was not. Not a quiet day. A lot of important action happening yesterday from a technical perspective. So we don't have our technical analyst, Joel Khan, with us this week, so I will fill in. But what we had yesterday in the queues was a key reversal where you had the index make a new high up significantly started to sell off early morning, sold off all afternoon, closing near the lows. That is not good news from a technical perspective. What it looks like to me in your tech stocks is a blow-off top. What a blow-off top is, the point where all the chasers have to get in, the shorts say, I got to get the hell out. And everybody, you know, the shorts throw on the towel and everybody who wants, short-term traders who want to get in, got in. And Tesla, the poster child, leading the way for the queues. I know it's not part of the queues. It doesn't matter. It leads the way right now because everybody is looking at Tesla all the time. Tesla started the party. It was just an unbelievable move yesterday. At one point, up 250 points on rumors that it was going to be included, I believe. in uh, Wasn't there rumors flying around that it was going to be included in the, in the queues? There was rumors yesterday. Anyway, so there was rumors flying around. It's going to be included in one index. Um, it goes all the way up to seventeen hundred ninety-four dollars, up two hundred and fifty points, and then they pull the rug out from under it late at late morning. Stock starts to sell off, continues to sell off. Actually, goes red. I don't know if there's ever been a stock of two hundred and fifty points and then goes red on the day. Closes red. We're getting a bounce here this morning from a technical perspective. This is just my opinion, but from a technical perspective. I think this is a bounce to be sold. So I wouldn't be jumping and test up 100 points here this morning. Everything right now you're seeing is textbook from a reversal. Because what happens the next morning after you get a big reversal day is you have the Johnny come lately as they say, whoa, Tesla was down yesterday. I want to buy that. And they come in this morning with their buying shoes on. Usually what happens if we follow the textbook is you'll see follow through selling shortly after the open where the people who got caught yesterday are saying thank you very much i can get out of my stock now and i'm going to move on now tesla we know can do a lot of funny things and it's crazy stock so you know anything can happen but from a textbook technical perspective i would think this is a bounce to be sold sorry to the tesla bulls see that's funny because it came in this morning and i was like oh my first thought of course of course, it's trading up this morning. Why wouldn't it trade up this morning? And you're saying because no, no. well, and it's and, and for good reason. Why wouldn't it? Because your your typical investor is looking at the sell off as a buying opportunity, and right. buy the dip has worked again and again and again. So why would it not bounce after selling off significantly from the highs yesterday? Even though it wasn't down that much yesterday, you put it in perspective, and we're off, you know, from 1794 to 1497, almost 300 points from the highs. So people see that as the dip to be bought. 
I think I think those people in the short term could get burned. I have no idea where Tesla's going long term. They can go anywhere. It's a story stock. The story isn't going away. It's a leader in electric cars. You know, I still love the love the company. I've never liked the valuation, which is why I haven't been long it for a long time. But you know, that doesn't matter if you're in it and you're in it for the long, long run. Maybe you ride this out. But if you're in this for a trade, and you know, you bought this thing at fourteen or fifteen hundred, and you watch it go seventeen ninety four. I don't think you're getting back to seventeen ninety four anytime soon. So that's my thoughts, just my opinion. I don't have a crystal ball here. All I have is 20 years of feel. The feel to me is that the 100-point rally in Tesla will will fade today, in my opinion. So that's just my opinion, though, and I could be wrong. Yeah. Uh, I, I was on uh, Stocks and Jocks this morning in replace of... Oh, Jordan, nice. And uh, I said, look, I, and I was not talking about trade, but for an investment, if you're investing in Tesla for the long term, there are two ways to do that. Way number one, do what I did, buy an ETF and just own the stock via an ETF. Way number two, buy the stock and then forget that you own it because that is the only way you'll survive owning Tesla long-term, surviving days like, like take it off your screen. Otherwise, you will, days like yesterday will kill you. It will kill you, right? So I, I can't stomach the stock. I've been trading for 20 years. It's yeah. why it, the reason I don't want Tesla in my long-term portfolio is it's too much of a distraction. <laughs> it's true. I'm focused. You know, I, I made a hundred, I trade 108 different stocks yesterday, 108. I can't be worrying about Tesla. I got to babysit that stock. It's too much. It's too much movement. It's too much of a distraction. So I can't, I don't have the time to sit there and babysit Tesla. If you just got one stock, and you can sit there and just watch Tesla. I mean, go go for it. Trade it. Let it be your stock. Whenever I'm trading Tesla, and I trade, I made one trade yesterday, but you really got to watch it. You've really got to babysit it. I actually bought it last night at 1470 because uh, the Piper came out raising the price target. That came out last night. And I was able to make 30 points on it. But that was a quick, you know, I was in that trade for less than five to 10 minutes. But even when I'm in it, it's so bloody distracting. Because it moves around so much, you've got to babysit that position. You know, if I'm in other stocks that move slower, I can handle it. But when you've got, you know, a huge portfolio and you're looking at Tesla it's bouncing around that much, it's very difficult um, as a trader to manage that position because it just moves too much. Yeah. So one stock, sure, trade Tesla. I just trade Tesla, um, go for it. I mean, it's probably a great trading stock. And like I said, I do trade every once in a while, but I can tell you, it takes a lot of trading mental capacity to handle that stock. Yeah. And that's the main reason that I probably wasn't in it. And I, I talked about, it. I liked the story back when it was 300 and I liked the story back when it was 250. You know, you can go back and listen to the shows. Jason Rasnick was talking me into it. And I had it long a couple of times, but it was just too much. I kept saying, it's the kind of stock that I, when I have my portfolio, I don't want in my portfolio. When I don't have my portfolio, I want in my portfolio. So it takes a lot of work. That's a that's a busy stock. Can't win. Um, so as we said uh, yesterday, Dennis Tesla sort of bled the market. I'll just pull up more charts so we can recap this before going to this morning's news. But look at Apple. I mean, they all they all look the same. All those charts look the same. Tesla led the way. So you can yep. see even if you bring up Tesla and then bring up the Apple chart from yesterday, you can see Tesla started to sell off significantly. Sell off just around lunchtime, around twelve. And if you look at the significant sell off in Apple, started just shortly after that. 12, 1230. So Tesla started to roll over and then they started to take money in every single tech stock. So this was classic crowded tech trade coming off quickly and profit taking ensued. People saying, I'm up so much money in my Apple, I'm not going to let it go away. They're selling 395, 393, 390, 385, 380. And I mean, really, when you put it in perspective, it only lost one day of gains. Right. But the candles, what is ugly? You caught a lot of traders yesterday. So that's why I'm saying it looks like a blow-off top in Apple as well. I'm long Apple in my long-term portfolio. I'm planning on holding Apple. I've had it for years in there. I'm averaging from $100, so I'm not going anywhere with it. But with that being said, if I was long this for a trade, I would sell into this morning's rally as well. So that's how you would play the entire tech trade. Yeah, the tech trade. And you saw a rotation happening, which is so interesting. It's so interesting. And it just shows the unpredictability of this market because you have the bad news from California. And give us that news that was broke yesterday, that they're basically shutting stuff back down. So give us the news. And like, what time did that come out? Probably the hardest revert, the sharpest reversal we've seen in terms of reopening uh, policy. Um, sharper than Arizona 
sharper than Texas, uh, sharper than Florida. But California has uh, enacted a full shutdown of bars, movie theaters, museums, and dining restaurants. They're also forcing gyms uh, and places of worship uh, to close in the hardest hit regions. But statewide bars, theaters, museums, dining restaurants all shut down again. Uh, I think that news was out. I want to say I don't know exactly. I want to say it was around three o'clock, but it was prior to the close, though, right? Yeah, it was definitely prior to the close. I prior to the close, and what's so interesting is that you saw the reopening stocks actually have a pretty okay day yesterday. Right. A lot of reopening stocks actually went up. You know, look at Las Vegas Sands, and there might have been some individual news there because it really moved up. But it was it was a good day for that stock. I mean, some of these other stocks too, the reopening stocks, they weren't down significantly. It was a tech wreck yesterday. That's what hit the indexes was the tech. But the other stocks kind of held up. And this morning, you're seeing that trade continue. Boeing trading up $4. So you're starting to see, um, you know, and obviously everything is trading up. We're bouncing here this morning. But I think you'll see that separation again. Um, You know, we had the banks report. We'll get to those in a second. We had Delta report. We'll get to that report in a second as well. But just classic rotation. You saw some money actually rotating out of tech, and you actually saw it go into some of these, not all of them, but some of the reopening plays. Uh, so the, it's the, interesting, you know, that the rotation is still there. The casinos, I mean, had, all had a good day yesterday. Pretty good, yeah. And maybe, yeah. like I said, there was some individual news there because Las Vegas Sands really had a nice candle. But, yeah, Wynn had a great day yesterday. Las yeah. Vegas Sands had a great day yesterday. MGM, kind of quiet, but um, it's always a little more conservative than Wynn in Las Vegas Sands. So... Um, you did see money not completely rotating out of stocks yesterday. So it's not, you know, a, a, a scenario where everybody wanted the hell out of all stocks. They moved out of the crowded stocks yesterday. I mean, the gaming stocks, and I own all these. They got killed yesterday. That Activision Blizzard complete key reversal there yesterday. New highs and then closing near the lows. Ugly, ugly chart. So now you get a little bounce here this morning. I think the bounce to be sold. Again, I'm in these things. It depends on your time frame, right? Some of these stocks I've got in my longer-term portfolio that I still think the story, I still think this is where money wants to be over the course of the next six months to a year because I don't think this COVID thing is going away. So I'm not turning around and selling my Amazon because I had a key reversal because I have a longer time frame on that. But if I was in it for like a little swing trade, I'd, I'd be ringing the register on the 50-point rally on the Amazon this morning. Yeah. So it depends. So look at yourself. What was your time frame when you entered the trade? Was it a trade? Was it a long-term investment? Was it something you're looking at for the next six months or the next six days? Because if you're in, that, you're in that stock for the next six days saying, well, Amazon goes up 100 points a day. I'm going to buy this thing and I'm going to be up 500 points in a week. Um, I think that trade is over now. I think it's now a time to ring the register on that. Just my opinion. Now, again, I'm not saying Amazon's making all, made, made an all-time high yesterday, but I think it made a short-term high. So I'm holding on to my long-term Amazon shares, but as a trade, I'd be inclined to sell the bounce here. All right. Speaking of reopening, Delta? Ugly. This is an ugly report. Give us the numbers. They did report this morning. They are shrugging it off to a certain extent because this report was an epic disaster, which we knew it would be, and the stock is only down 1%. Give us the details, Mr. Israel. Earnings per share. They have lost $9.01 last quarter. $9.01 per share. The estimate, not that it matters, was that they would lose $4.12. Sales, they generated sales of $1.47 billion, which was, I guess, higher than the estimate. So uh, take that for what it's worth. Here's what the, the CEO said, or here's what they said uh, in the uh, in the release. Uh, their daily cash burn for the quarter, they averaged a daily cash burn of $43 million a day for the yeah. quarter. Uh, here's a quote telling quote from the CEO. Uh, Given the combined effects of the pandemic and the financial impacts, we continue to believe that it will be more than two years before we see a sustainable recovery. Tough. Tough. Tough, tough, tough. And I mean, they've raised a lot of cash. He talked about it. He just was interviewed on CNBC and I watched that interview and it was very interesting. Didn't sugarcoat much, which I appreciate, you know, when these CEOs come on here and don't say, oh, you know, we're going to be right back. We're coming back here. He did not sugarcoat any of this. He was very professional. Talked about how they'd raised a lot of cash. They haven't dipped into that cash too much, but they will. They they figure, you know, that they're burning right now. I think they said still, you said 37 million a day they burned last quarter. I think that number was less that they're burning now, but it was still significant. Yes. So the, the daily cash burn for June was only, only $27 million. So $27 million they're burning. And there was a few key quotes. 
One, um, he said, we're preparing to be a smaller airline for the next couple of years. Yeah. So he didn't say for the next couple of months. He said the next couple of years. Another key quote that he said in the interview is, I think you're going to see some behavioral changes in our customers, meaning that the customers aren't going to be flying as much for a long time. Business travel, he talked about that. That is going to take a hit. We see how well, we just had a merger done yesterday that was done all over Zoom. The people didn't meet. What, what, what was the merger yesterday? I forget it already, but I remember the interview I was talking wait, about CNBC. Wait, that, that ADI merger? Yeah. ADI merger and um, who they buy again? I'm forgetting it now. I wrote it down. Oh, uh, Maxim. Yeah, they bought yeah. They interviewed the ADI CEO and he said they actually did not physically meet. Oh, wow. That deal. You imagine wow. business going forward, the savings to these companies when they don't fly in to do a merger? They're not going to fly in to do a lot of things. Business travel is going to go significantly, significantly lower because the companies realize they can do pretty good business here virtually. So you are going to see less business travel. We know the bulk of the airline's business is business travel. So that is not good news here for the airlines going forward. So I, I don't think, I, I'm going to say, I don't think they're going to get back to what they were making last year for a long time, if ever. Mm. So these are smaller, going to be smaller businesses. That's coming from the CEO. I'm not saying that myself. He says, we're preparing to be a smaller business for the next couple of years. Next couple of years could be a lot longer than he thinks, especially when he's talking about behavioral changes. They have 19 months of cash. That's the good news. So they're not going bankrupt anytime soon, Delta. But that doesn't mean the stock can't go lower if they continue to be a smaller airline and they continue to make less money. Earnings still on these companies that aren't growing drive the bus. So you're coming in buying at 26.50, thinking it's getting back to 50 or $60. I think you're wrong. I don't think it's getting back to $60 anytime soon unless this market just goes completely from one has to buy everything. And maybe we care nothing about it and we go full $19.99 and everything. And that's always a possibility. But from a fundamental perspective, analyzing these companies, it's hard to be an investor in airlines. With that being said, they're not hitting the stock very hard today. So if you wanted to try for a bounce trade and say, oh, well, this is a kitchen sink quarter and it's only can get better from here, I would stop myself out below $25. I'm not putting that trade on. I'm just saying you do have a defined out of $25 here. So looking here, I'm looking at the two lows, 25.22 and 25.15. I would say, you know, let's see, you know, if the reaction holds into the regular session. So far, so good. I mean, yes, it's down, but come on, they lost a lot of money and they said a lot of bad stuff and the stock's holding up okay. So, so far, so good for Delta, which means maybe you could see a little bounce trade out of here, but... I'm not playing it that way, but I'm saying if you were so inclined to buy the dip, make sure you have an out. Don't get caught in this thing because you never know, you know, it starts taking out 25, it could get ugly. So before we move on, let's just look quickly at the other airlines and see, are they reacting at all to this? They're quiet this morning. I mean, Boeing is up and Boeing has been one of the leaders and that's what's considered. Boeing has led the airlines. I've been watching and trading this for a while. If you look at the chart of Boeing, look at the chart of the airlines. Yes, you know, it's a little more muted because we know the airlines are in a lot um, the airlines have really been volatile. Um, obviously, slower price stocks as Boeing well. Also had a he Boeing had a headline. They, yeah, they, what, why, why is it up $3? Yeah, they signed a $1.2 billion deal with the Air Force. I mean, that's good. They need contracts. They need money. So oh, yeah. any contract, they're going to rally it on here now. So that's good news for Boeing. Boeing's lifting here this morning. Pun slightly intended. Um, I'm not coming in here as an investment again for the same reasons I've been citing forever that these businesses, their main major customers aren't buying planes. Yeah. But it's good that it's up. I mean, it's, it's, you've got a low there you can lean on 169.75, which was pretty close to the two lows back from um, the low of the move of June 25, June 26. So you can see major support 167 to 168. So you do have your support level. So you could set up a long trade if you wanted to, but again, the story here still has been sell the rips every time it's ripped up. Um, if the rotation comes out of tack here, which I'm predicting it will this morning, it could go into a Boeing. It could go into some of these reopening plays. Uh, but um, I, I, I'm too scared to jump in Boeing here. So and last one before we move on, but how does it make you feel that they're not punishing Delta immediately after? It's good. Yeah. That's the good news here. I mean, it's good that they're not punishing 
uh, Delta here. And, and you know what? We saw it with Carnival Cruise Lines. So maybe it's somewhat predictable because Carnival Cruise Lines reported and it held up fairly well and actually rallied. Now, yesterday it started to give some of that rally back. So the question is, do they get like a one day, you know, a little relief rally that, hey, you know, yes, it was bad, but now we know when knowing is half the battle. Um, I, I, I still think these are tough businesses to, you know, go long. I, I still think that. I think the bounces, they get some bounces every once in a while. But again, the bounces keep getting met with new sellers. So until we start getting a vaccine, the vaccine changes for all the reopening stocks. If we really do get a vaccine by the end of summer, like the White House is saying, which is probably not going to happen. We know that's a political statement. Um, all these stocks are buys. But, and that's why on the vaccine news, you, that's where you see the amount, but the, you know, when we get positive vaccine news, those are the stocks that bounce the most. But tough to be tough to just come in here and say i'm gonna you know call the bottom on all these things i'm gonna sit on delta for the next five years because i know eventually it's coming back we saw a lot of airlines go bankrupt before delta's got 17 months of cash but the business is going to take a long time to come back the business itself you know what's a good business to be in right now the trading the trading business as you know it is let's go over to jp morgan jp morgan knows that as well so i'll give you the numbers here from jp morgan this morning q2 eps uh, that's earnings per share a buck 38 versus a dollar four cent estimate sales 33 billion versus 30.29 billion so they beat the estimates for the top and the bottom line how did they do that trading revenue markets revenue was yep. up 79 percent on a year over year basis yep. most of that was fixed income trading uh what else did they say they said uh gross investment banking revenue up 44% on a year-over-year basis. They did announce they're suspending buybacks at least through the end of this current quarter. And they set set aside $8.9 billion in loan loss provisions. That's a big number. So uh, some good and some bad here. I'm kind of kicking myself because I kept thinking, oh, the banks are going to have a terrible quarter, but I didn't consider the the trading aspect of it. So the banks that have bigger trading operations are obviously going to do okay. And JP Morgan saved by their trading, like I've been talking about, my best four months of trading in, in, in a decade, consecutive. Boom, 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 boom. So you know Virtue Financial, absolutely killing it. It's a pure trading play. JP Morgan, serious trading operations. Obviously, that helps. Goldman Sachs is going to probably be helped significantly by the trading. Um, Wells Fargo, which doesn't have the type of trading that JP Morgan or Goldman has, you can see the difference in the quarter where they're more of a pure bank, obviously getting hit hard here. So go to the Wells Fargo so we can contrast it um, with the banks that have the trading operations and the banks that don't. Yep. So Wells Fargo, uh, unlike JP Morgan, missed estimates for their earnings per share and their sales. They reported a 60 cent loss per share. 66 cents. Did I say that right? 66 cents per uh, loss per share last quarter. Sales of $17.8 billion versus, uh, versus $18 billion. So they missed and they missed. They also, uh, as we knew they would, are cutting their dividend uh, to be in line with Federal Reserve guidance. They're cutting it from 51 cents a share to 10 cents a share. I mean, we knew the dividend uh, cut was cutting coming. That was already priced in. They talked about that a couple of weeks ago that they hadn't said the amount yet, but they said they were going to cut it. It's a significant cut. Obviously, they got significant issues. We know Wells Fargo has. They have liquidity concerns. They keep raising it up, but they're okay for now. Low of the move, 23.71. That's what it absolutely needs to hold. It holds 23.71, and you, you might be okay for a bounce trade. We're down 24.35. Let's see if it challenges it there today. First time down there, maybe a try for a bounce. But again, you can see the separation. The banks that have some trading operations to cushion their banking operations are doing better right now. So I would suspect, and when did we get Goldman Sachs report? Morgan as well? Uh, well, we got City here this morning, and they're they're fitting in line with that because their revenue, uh, their trading revenue was up as well. So I'll give you the City numbers first. Yeah. City beat on their EPS, $0.50 cents for $0.28, cents, sales 198 First $19.1 billion. Uh, what do they say? Uh, market and security services revenues up 48% on a year over year basis. So again, so yeah. if you've got some trading operations cushion the blow, so look and you know, can jump in and see who's the traders and who they're, who's not. I mean, you go look at Morgan Stanley, you can look at Goldman Sachs. Both, These both, were investment uh, banks before that were focused on trading. Obviously, they re you know, organized somewhat during the financial crisis there, and they've got a lot of traditional you know, banking operations too, but they still got trading operations. Yep, so, so those both, help. 
Goal means tomorrow. Morgan is Thursday morning. I would think Goldman probably kills on the trading side. And maybe that means I kind of want to be long going into it. We're starting to roll over here on the S&Ps too. Um, just, uh, I just want to mention that as uh, obviously I'm just looking at stocks roll over here and moving orders around. So I don't uh, we just got some, off. We just got some OPEC data. Yeah. Um, what are they saying? Yeah, here we go. Okay. OPEC sees 2021 global oil demand growth of 7 million barrels per day. Uh, what else did they see? They say worsening 2020 uh, GDP forecast. Uh, they reported that oil production uh, in June was down 1.9 million barrels per day. Um, did, did they talk about getting rid of the cuts, though? That's what I want to know. Um, they, mm, they cut their oil demand forecast for the year. Uh, by, so that 8.9 million barrels a day number, that was lower. The, the estimate was, was 9 million, or that's where it was. So they're revising their demand forecast for the year uh, downward by 100,000 barrels a day. What else did I see here? I'm just reading from the pro, and uh, that's what I got there. So lowering uh, global GDP forecast and oil demand forecast. So that could be it. So market rolls over a few points here. Um, again, just keep an eye on your leaders. We got Tesla's up 94 points, skimming back 10 points since the start of the show. Just keep an eye. Tesla's still leader for the overall tech trade um, because they're looking at that as a stock that's leading the way. So keep an eye on Tesla. Even if you don't trade Tesla, keep it on your screen. If it starts to roll over, you will see the other tech stocks roll over. I think that's what's going to happen, but this market is a tough one to use logic on. And a lot of times it does the exact opposite of what you think sometimes. So you always have contingency plans on how you're trading. Make sure you know, um, I always stay somewhat diversified in my trading portfolio as well. A lot of people say, how do you manage, you know, 50 different trading positions? Um, I, I basically manage the losers and I let the winners look out for themselves. When I've got that many, I'm always working out of the losers. I mean, I got smacked around last night, Mohawk Industries. You know, how do you work out of something like that? So I've got, I've, I was long the stock as, a, as an overnight, you know, or I was long the stock and I got hit on the news. And if you go to that news, you can see accounting. And when I see accounting stuff, I was like, oh boy, this is going to get ugly. So um, what do I do in that situation? I minimize the damage as much as, much as I possibly can. So I, I'm out of the position so I can talk about it freely, but I lost three points on it. So sometimes you just got to eat the losses and move on. And, and that's how you got to manage it on, on wait, these trades. Wait, 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 you, you were long MHK last night. That, that account. I got dinged on the news. But that's not new news. The, the accounting moment? stuff? Yeah, we talked about this, was it last week? Uh, they, the market thinks it's new news. It traded down 10% last night on it. No, no. So, so it's it was new news to me and new news to the market. I'll tell you that. Okay, so I, I guess the 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 new news is that they were they got uh, issued subpoenas by the U.S. Attorney's Office. Uh, but the fact that they were facing this class action lawsuit that was not news. That was talked about a couple of weeks, last week, right? You, you see that this was the. Uh, there was an accounting fraud headline that went by. Right, right, right. They got issued subpoenas in relation to this class action lawsuit as it pertains to accounting fraud. Yeah. That when I see accounting fraud and I own the stock, I do whatever I can to hit the bids. So quickly, like quickly. So you got to be on the headlines quickly. You, you, you get dinged on it. And sometimes you know, I'm doing some market making and stuff. So I got dinged on a market making on this, on an algorithm. And I'm like, oh boy, I'm in trouble here. Because I see the headline, somebody's picked me off. Basically, they've hit my bid because they see the news ahead of me. Algorithms bought the stock. I got to work out of this. So, and that's what I did. So I worked out as best I can. I didn't do as that great on it last night, but I don't play around and on accounting. When I say accounting fraud potential, I don't play around with that because I've seen stocks get tuned up for 20% on stuff like that before. Right, so this one's obviously not the case. It's already digested. It looks like it's down seven and a half percent. But when you're on the wrong side of the trade, and this is where I started this, the, the tangent is when I've got a lot of positions, I'm working out of the losers. People will always, they do it backwards. They work out of their winners and they're like, oh, I can't sell that at a loss. You know, I'm down too much money in that. I can't get out of that. So I just, you know, won't look at that for a while and hopefully it comes back. I do the opposite. I've been in business for 20 years by managing and discipline. So when I'm on the wrong side of the trade, I'm working out of it as best I can. The winners, I say, you know, I don't have to worry about something that's making money right now. It's not costing my money. I'm not in the business to lose money here. So I need to work out of the losers as well as I can. 
that's why when I'm in certain trades, especially swing trades, I define myself. I have myself an out. Where am I going to get if this starts to get ugly? Where am I going to get out of it? So when you do an index arbitrage and different stuff, it, it's a little bit trickier. Um, it's a matter of minimizing the damage on the losers because sometimes you're going to get whacked on news and make, and if the news is for you and maximizing that as much as you can. But most of our listeners are trading, you know, not a hundred stocks. They're not, you know, doing index arbitrage. Most of our listeners here are obviously trading, you know, the stocks and, and just on individual basis. So you can manage those easily. So all I wanted to say was you got to be very careful. And while we're chopping around the S&Ps, you can tell my brain's is not 100% there because I'm looking at the S&Ps just collapse here. Um, You do your best to manage out of the losers is all I wanted to say. So don't let the, don't just hold on to a stock hoping it comes back. If you bought Tesla yesterday at 1700 and you're immediately down significantly in it, we're what you are. You're getting a bounce back today. I'd minimize my damage into that bounce back. That's just my thoughts. All right, we just got uh, core CPI uh, in, in line with that chop. So maybe having an effect there, maybe not. But uh, yeah, we are choppy here in the S&Ps. Bottom line on the banks, though, Dennis, is they're treating them, with the exception of Wells Fargo, they're treating them okay this morning so far. So that would seem to indicate when we get Gold, Goldman Sachs tomorrow, Morgan Stanley the next day, when's, when's Bank America? Bank America is Thursday. So again, the stocks with, you know, go and look at, you know, the operations breakdown. The stocks that have higher trading operations are probably going to fare better right now. That's the point that I was trying to make before the S&P started to tank and then I lost my train of thought. So stick with that. Banks that have the trading operations are probably going to do better than than the banks that have smaller trading operations or no trading operations. Uh, Let's just do one more. Um, We're going to be joined by Alan Braxton here in a couple of minutes. He's the author of The 420 Investor. He's also the founding partner of New Cannabis Ventures. He is one of, if not uh, our go-to source for uh, cannabis uh, insights. And uh, I don't know if you you saw uh, pot yesterday, but the sector caught a bid. We'll talk about that. A number of stocks that that I am long just had huge rallies yesterday. I'm I'm not even sure why. So, We'll find out from Alan here in a couple minutes about what was behind that rally yesterday in pot and just the sector in general. Uh, let's just do fast and all real fast. We talked about this yesterday, I believe. Pot intended? Uh, no. Uh, but okay. <laughs> um, it was a good one. They had earnings this morning. It was a beat on the EPS, 42 cents versus 36 cents. Sales beat 1.51 versus $1.47 billion. So uh, they are up this morning on that headline. Stock I've always wanted in my portfolio. It's not going to give me a chance here this morning because it's trading up. So I think you got the high 44.79, the high of the move. It was a good report and obviously an environment that maybe wasn't the best for them. So Fastenal just seems to fire on all cylinders all the time. Love the company. It's been a fantastic stock. Wish I would have bought it back in March when it dipped. Yeah. Not much to say about that, but uh, let me pull up a daily. Let's bring Alan on. Alan is not joining. Oh, us. He's not. He's not there yet. We're two minutes early. Uh, two minutes early, but he is. Uh, so Nick Shaheen would normally be our guest. Nick Shaheen is on vacation. Uh, I guess that must. This must be a big week for vacation. We got Joel out. We got Nick out. But I got Alan on here in a couple of minutes. So we'll wait for him. In the Let's meantime, go. Um, this yeah. immune bio INMB. Everybody's t- been talking I about this want- all morning. The stock has been going up, 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 and then now the explosion higher. This is Alzheimer's. Uh, so their drug, uh, XPRO1595 is, is the name of the drug, uh, is uh, a le- demonstrated uh, decreased neuroinflammation in patients with Alzheimer's. That data was out yesterday after the close. And I'll just pull up the chart here so you can see it. But, I mean, holy moly. Alzheimer's drugs, um, when you get positive headlines, we saw Biogen, the big company that it is, when it had a positive headline there last year, we saw how much market cap was put on. Smaller company, drugs doing something. It's, it's, it's a disease that we've never gone anywhere with. We've never had a drug, approved drug, get through to help with Alzheimer's before. Never had it. So as you get you know, a company that has, hey, something appears to be working here, it, you know, huge moneymaker if they ever you know get to you know the point where you can get an approved drug for alzheimer's horrible disease so i'm not surprised this is lifting i'm not even i wouldn't even i don't even know if i necessarily fit i wouldn't chase it but i know on these drugs when you get positive data and and why why the run up for three days ahead of this that's what i want to know 
Was there headlines here for the last three days? Or is this just a fact that some people knew? There was a headline on Thursday, Thursday the 9th. That okay. They're, that they're going to announce interim phase 1B data. Okay. So we knew. So, okay. Maybe it's not shenanigans then because we knew that they were going to announce. Obviously, they do announce and now they're good. So people predicting that, hey, this could potentially you know, be good news. Those people all being rewarded here. Wish I wish wish I would have known the story um, two days ago. But wow, big money here this morning. It's up, it's at twenty two dollars. It's just it was sixteen dollars last night. It's just continued to climb. Show the after hours chart there, Spencer. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the stock has just continued to climb here. Yeah. Um, we had a little little pause there this morning where it leaked a little bit, but then it's just blasted off here again. So Alzheimer's is yeah, probably. I mean- a bigger headline on any drug than even COVID. This so. is the, this is the end of the session where my mouse is. So this is the uh, this is the PM, and then this, yep. this everything to the right of this line is the AM, and you can so you can just see just blast off. But um, so yeah, big tough, move, tough, big tough, move, small tough, company. Tough. Good news on the Alzheimer's front. I hope somebody eventually gets a drug here. Let's go down. I certainly hope so. All right, Alan Brockstein, as I mentioned, he's the author of the 420 Investor. He's also a founding partner of New Cannabis Ventures. Alan, good morning. Hey, great to be here. Sorry. There we go. How's it going? Did we see you? Uh, I don't see you yet, but uh, I hear you. So uh, staying safe out there, Alan? You don't see me? No. Huh. I see myself. Hold on. You're like the voice. You're like the there we voice. go. There we go. All right, Sorry Alan, about that. Alan, you staying safe? We hope oh, yeah. You. you know me. I live in virtual lockdown pretty much all the time. It's good to hear. Good to hear. Uh, Alan, what the hell happened yesterday? I was just minding my own business. And well, I-, I think people heard I was coming on the show. So we got to buy pot stocks. Alan's coming on Benzema's free market prep. Or, or maybe they read my Forbes piece. I don't know. Nice. You're in Forbes? I didn't see your Forbes piece. Well, I'm not really a Forbes writer, but I'm a contributor there. And what were you saying in Forbes? And uh, it's been, you know, it, I'll tell you, it's whenever I write uh, for for whether it's Forbes or I just started writing for Seeking Alpha again, I I put a lot of work into it. You can never really justify it economically, really, but I get so much out of it, uh, whether it's some feedback I get or the fact that nobody reads the article or lots of people read the articles, like some extra sentiment stuff I get. I get a lot of this from New Cannabis Ventures, too. Yeah. Uh, I think it's important in the cannabis sector to get reads on sentiment and uh, But to answer your question, so, you know, we've been talking about this for a long time when you guys have me on the show, but some of these large uh, U.S., what they call MSOs, multi-state operators, uh, their businesses have been great. And, you know, if you look at the charts of the largest MSOs, uh, the ones that are pushing 100 million or more per quarter in revenue and even profitable, these charts have been sideways charts for a few years now. And uh, I think, you know, you could argue about the valuation, but I think you'd have to agree it looks better today than it has ever looked. And so I think what's going on is people are aware of uh, a lot of issues and uh, cannabis stocks have burned so many people that it's really, you know, to get them to come back or to get new people to come in that witness the carnage is hard. But I I think... uh, the setup's really good. And when I hear you, Dennis, talking about Delta Airlines and looking for good industries and you, you say trading, I got to tell you, the cannabis industry, and it has its challenges, that looks like a good industry right now. So just to back up, when you talk, when you say the largest MSOs, you're talking about Cureleaf and Cresco Labs and Trulieve and uh, Green Thumb, and there may be one or two more that I'm missing. You, you just hit the, the, what I call the big four. That is accurate. Okay. And they all popped yesterday. Yeah, well, actually on Friday, uh, and then there was right. follow through yesterday. And so uh, we started July. I mean, just for, for your listeners that, that don't necessarily follow the cannabis sector, we peaked out, depending on how you want to define the trends, we peaked out right when California legalized uh, at the beginning of 2018. But we had a massive rally uh, in uh, the first quarter of 2019. And it's been shitsville since then. And, uh, you know, for a lot of reasons, uh, good reasons, cannabis stocks got nailed from, for really a year. And I, I came to the conclusion, uh, look, I never ran for the hills, but, you know, it was very challenging at the bottom. 
Uh, and I couldn't tell people to buy confidently, to be honest, because the whole world was burning up, right, in March. But uh, in March, we made a low. Uh, and in fact, we just completed the first quarterly advance uh, for the cannabis index, the, the New Cannabis Ventures Global Cannabis Stocks Index, since that first quarter of 2019. And we've really disconnected from stocks in general for a while. And, I, and I'm not saying we shouldn't have. There was some capital uh, challenges and some fundamental issues like the vaping crisis. But look, in the last few months, it's become patently obvious, number one, that people are using cannabis more and more, whether that's new people coming to the market or maybe more importantly, people shifting from the illicit market to the legal market. And this is because the pandemic has had this, you know, for one thing, it creates anxiety. So more people want to consume cannabis products. But I think the bigger issue is this. The illicit market has always been known to have better cost because they don't pay uh, taxes or necessarily follow all the regulations for safety, but they're more convenient and some might argue better too. Well, convenience for the illicit market was defeated because a lot of places that never allowed delivery or curbside pickup like Oregon, which is a very mature market, did so. Cannabis was declared essential. They were able to do this stuff. Oregon, an extremely mature market, increased 87% in May compared to a year ago, according to BDSA. And, uh, you know, we're seeing data. I follow Florida very closely. Uh, this is the best state in terms of being able to tell week to week what's happening. And it is unbelievable to see how much growth there is in, in, on the cannabis market right now. And I think you take that and you layer on that we have some state issues coming up for sure in, uh, uh, in, in, in November on the ballots, but also we'll see it next year because the last time I looked, all these states are out of money and have high unemployment. And so cannabis legalization is going to be a common part of the solution. But we also have a federal uh, election coming up and the Senate could flip to the Democrats. And I've been watching and, and I'm, I don't want to get political about this. There are a lot of Republicans that are pro-cannabis, but there's several that aren't. And because of that, the, the Senate has been a huge roadblock not so much in legalization. That, I don't think that's the issue, but there's some really simple things. So I'm, I am smoking the product, I think, but this is what I think might happen. Democratic control of the Senate and God help us that Biden and Trump don't get in the way, whichever one it is. We might see things like credit cards being able to be used. We might see things like the NASDAQ being able to list these companies. We might be able to see things like banks being able to actually lend like do mortgages to these cannabis companies. So I don't know that this stuff's going to happen, but I, the way I'm looking at right now, sentiment's low, valuations are pretty decent, and there's some good news coming out immediately and down the pike. Bottom line is if you're long cannabis, you are, you're essentially betting on that federal legalization, right? No, I don't think you are. I think that's, a, uh, I don't, I'm not betting on that at all. I'm what I always say federal rationalization, but I don't even think we're betting on that. That's, the way I look at it is this is a win and it's a huge win if we get this rationalization. Again, credit cards, uh, bank lending and higher exchanges. Because look, look at Robinhood. You can't trade these stocks on Robinhood, the, the US, the big four MSOs because they're not listed on a major exchange. So people trade the large LPs and, and that's the way it is. Uh Speaking of those companies, I guess let's go, let's go there. But, uh, you know, how do you approach these, these LPs who were the first to sort of see their valuation skyrocket? Yeah. Uh, and, and I guess that's coming back to bite them hard. So I, I've been very cautious on the LP space and especially the large LPs for, for a long time. And it really sometimes bothers my 420 investor subscribers how negative I can be. Sometimes I'll have zero exposure in my model portfolios. Uh, and Canada has been even more disappointing than I would have thought uh, for sure. But uh, I, I wanna be very clear. While I can make a, an extremely bullish case for the United States and it really excites me, I, number one, people have to remember it's federally illegal and things can change suddenly. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing to remember. And two, 
That doesn't mean you can't make money in Canada. And I'm probably more bullish on Canada than I've ever been. And the reason for that is that we're finally getting stores open in Ontario. This has been a huge impediment and uh, similar to California, Southern California. And, uh, and also while it's been slow to, to, to launch, they, they have the new types of products that they're not so new, but for Canada, they're new vapes and edibles and things like that. And I think that's going to really open up the market. And, and a lot of the reasons that I'm bullish on the United States in terms of uh, more uh, use, more, more demand for cannabis due to anxiety and sleeplessness and things like that. I mean, that's part of it. But they also, in many regards, are getting more convenient for consumers. So, uh, so I, I, I'm bullish on Canada. Uh, the big five, uh, they have a big five in, in Canada. These alphabetically would include uh, Afria, Aurora, Canopy, Kronos um, Group, and Tilray. And the way I rank order them right now in, in terms of like the best values, I think, are Aurora, Afria, uh, and then Kronos uh, in the middle, then Canopy, and then Tilray. And I'm pretty negative on the long-term valuation for some of these stocks, but... Uh, uh, but just focusing on the positive, uh, I, I think Aurora, people wrote it off for dead. And I, I actually think that they and Afria have done the best job, clearly, in Canada among the major companies. Uh, I would suggest that people consider some of the smaller companies if they're investing in the space too. But those two, to me, kind of stand out as the most investable right now. And I know, you know, a lot of people, uh, this is a factoid I like to share. It blows some people away. If you take the market cap of Canopy Growth and you throw it against Afria, Aurora, Kronos Group, and Tilray, it's, it's a, I think right now it's roughly equal. It's been slightly larger. It, actually, right now, Canopy had a good day. It's slightly larger. And this makes no sense. Then all three, then all three not combined? Be, then what's all, that? Then all three combined? Four, no, all four. I gave all you four. Four, four. okay. Yeah, you take the market cap of Canopy and you compare it to the others. So some people say, oh, well, you got to deal with the cash. I'm like, okay, throw in the Canopy cash that they're burning, 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 and then throw in the Kronos cash on the other side. And that would offset some of the debt at uh, Tilray and uh, Aurora. Afria is net, net cash. But the point being, even if you want to adjust it for cash, which I think you got to be careful doing because of the cash burn rates, but uh, even if you do that, this makes literally no sense, and uh, uh, to me anyway, but what do I know? If I could go back to the uh, Canadian producers for a second, I keep hearing about the, there's going to be a record harvest this year, uh, prices of, uh, 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 of the flour uh, and the oils are, keep going down. Oh, yeah. There's no, so so how do you, how do you uh, negotiate that with, with being bullish? So, yeah, it's not going to work unless – uh, we see inventory write downs because what's happened is they've grown a lot of stuff that's just not going to sell very well. Yeah. So Aurora just announced it's not uh, in effect yet because they haven't reported, but they announced, uh, I want to say $140 million inventory write down. I think Canopy is the most at risk of, of, of write downs. Uh, they used to say they would just turn it into oils, but nobody's buying the oils and you can make cheaper oils from growing outside. Even Canopy's told us this. So, uh, so this is an issue. So it's not going to work unless we have demand. That's, that's what's going to really fix things. Uh, and the demand isn't just for dried flour. It's obviously for, uh, you know, the chocolates and the vapes. And so uh, I, I think it's easier to be bullish on the United States. The United States is not overbuilt. It's the exact opposite. Uh, the U.S., even the best capitalized companies in the United States have never had money thrown at them, especially. They've had to live essentially hand to mouth and they've gotten a little bit more creative recently, being able to access debt markets and uh, do uh, sale leasebacks. But the problem in the United States right now isn't oversupply at all. It's that there's not enough supply. So you take a market like Illinois and Cresco and GTI uh, are, are going as fast as they can to, to ramp it up. So there's actually a lack of supplies, but you, you do raise a good point. Uh, I think people are uh, probably overly pessimistic because they look at how big the inventory is right now. And, and they look at what's going on with the prices right now. And, and then they look at the static demand. 
but uh, they had reports that uh, or estimates that Canada could do six billion dollars a year in uh, cannabis, uh, retail cannabis, and obviously it's fallen way, way short of that. And the, and the reason for that isn't because Canadians don't like cannabis uh, or that the, even the estimations were off. It's been that there aren't retail stores in Ontario and other parts of Canada, like even Quebec doesn't have that many. And the types of products that people want to buy not only haven't been available, really, they just launched them. But honestly, the LPs have not done a very good job of growing good flour to meet the, the demand of, of people or to even create the products yet. It's, it's early. I think that's the point. Uh, I got a quick question here too, just um, in pertaining to their operations in Canada and yeah. you know, even operations in the States. We've seen down in Leamington, I don't know if you've been following the story, but they've had some major problems with COVID. Um, right. and, and not talking just the marijuana, but um, there's been a greenhouse that's been in the, in the media where they've had, you know, a number of infected workers. We know yeah. they have a lot of workers that, you know, um, uh, come, from, um, come from other countries to come up and work, immigrant workers, and they live in tight quarters. So when one person gets sick, um, it typically spreads very quickly. And that's what we're seeing down there. Have you heard any problems with the FRIA or have you heard any problems with any of these other? Uh, I mean, no, I mean, I've seen there? pictures and read about it. I, I don't think the company's really commented on it. I think, uh, you know, it's kind of disgusting to see what I saw, but I don't know if it's exactly true or not. So I don't really want to okay. call them out because I, I don't know. But the way you described it is, is kind of what I've read. And it, yeah, it's that's what sad. I've read too. But uh so, uh, you know, there have been some instances of COVID impacting uh, certain facilities. I know that, but there's a, a ton of automation and, uh, in, in these facilities. And I have, look, you just asked me about oversupply. So I'm not really super concerned about any sort of short-term right. due to the pandemic. Uh, Alan, I just want to get to one question from the chat. We were asked about grow generation. Uh, they are the equipment supplier, I believe. Yeah. Uh, not equipment. Uh, uh, consumables, but yeah. Okay. okay. From a chart perspective, G R W G looks pretty good. Chart perspective. Yeah. So uh, this is a company I've been following since they went public. I, uh, uh, it's really one of the things that makes me quite delighted that I've been studying the space so long. Cause when I came into the space, it was just a bunch of loser stock scammers. <laughs> and these guys uh, did it the right way. And they've built a really good business uh, on organic growth and acquisitions. Uh, they recently did a, I think it ended up being uh, $48 million uh, because they uh, exercised the allotment, uh, $48 million equity offering. Uh, kind of sad, the pricing they got, but, but awesome to see them do that. They were up, they uplisted from the OTC to the NASDAQ in, uh, uh, I think it was in November. And, uh, you know, I have an official target that I've shared with my uh, 420 investors on this, and it, it's it's a little bit below that target. I've also said that I think there's upside to that target. Uh, so this is one where I think that the fundamentals are, are solid, the valuation's decent, and the technicals are pretty darn good. All right, Alan Brockstein, if you haven't been able to tell, knows a lot about this space. We've been able to scratch the surface of his knowledge here today. He's the author of 420 Investor, founding partner of New Cannabis Ventures. Alan, as always, thanks for the time. And uh, I guess just stay safe. And Yeah, you too. Thank you so much. Good to yeah, chat with you guys. Uh, virtual event there. All right. Thanks, Alan. Um, eight, uh, what time is it? 8.53 now, so about seven minutes left in today's show. Dennis, yeah. what, what were you up to there for a few minutes? Uh, were, we, well, I had... Awfully uh, quiet. <laughs> there, there was, yeah, I was S&Ps for a few minutes there. And sorry, Alan, I was able to come in at the end of the interview, but I had a lot of positions uh, going all over the place there, obviously, with the S&Ps being up significantly this morning and now going red. So it looks like what I was saying at the top of the show, um, about selling into this rally. Uh, everybody started listening here because we're down 15 handles from when I was talking about that. I mean, the classic scenario here, you see the bounce, people are getting to their desks or you know, maybe they're just at their desk, but they're waking up and going to their desk or they're working yep. from home and they see the rally and a lot of these names got beats yesterday and they start taking profits again. So I think it turned a little bit. Again, I'm gonna say it turned a little bit, at least in the tax trade yesterday. And I'm not surprised that the tax have turned around and went red here now because we were saying and predicting it here this morning. So um, Tesla now up only $66. It's now almost 40 points from where we were talking bearish about it here half an hour ago. So giving back a lot of the gains, still holding on, which is good. Apple's giving it all back. Apple was up $4 this morning. It's up now 30 cents. So again, this was just a classic technical play 
where you get the key reversal day, the next day the Johnny come lately is in and want to buy the dip and buy the bounce, and they're getting punished for it here this morning. So I think you have follow through. I think you're going to see follow through today where you have a lot of stocks, um, still a lot of tech stocks, very weak at least in the first couple of hours. And then can they find some stability? Can they stabilize? You know, this is the classic, I used to call it the two-day move. We get the big flush after, you know, a wicked run. You get a little bounce in the morning, which you sell into. And then the ne next morning, you get the follow-through. So, which, you know, is obviously working well here this morning. So, so where do we go from here? Nobody knows. But I think, at least in the short term, I think it's going to get uglier before we start to see a bounce in some of these tech names. So first the ones that are still green, I think, could go red. First off, the Apple, do you lean on the close of yesterday? The close was, what, uh, 381? I'm not buying. So I'm on the other side of the trade where I would have been selling. So um, yeah, I think if you are, okay, so question, if you think this is a bounce to buy, absolutely. You want to lean on yesterday's close. We've taught you well, Mr. Israel there. At 381.03, yesterday's low takes that out. And then you look at the previous day low, you just start looking 378.82 and you can see how it gets a slippery slope down. But when you get a big, ugly red candle like that, where you have the blow off top, which it looks like, it typically doesn't fix itself in a day. Now, this is the kind of market that loves to fix itself. So, you know, and this hasn't been anything but a typical market. So you can call it an atypical market. So is it possible? Yes, but it typically doesn't fix itself in a day. Yeah. I would expect some follow through. I wouldn't be surprised if Apple lost five or 10 bucks early. So, you know, here it is flat. I'm making a call here. Microsoft has went red now as well. So I made this call an hour ago when the stock was 386. Now it's 381. So I think, I think you could see that Apple... Uh, fall significantly in the little first little while just as you get that follow through selling from yesterday uh John, the people who are coming in buying the dip this morning are learning the hard way here this morning speaking of reversals i feel like we should talk about alibaba just for a second there just uh i own it long-term portfolio sticking with it awful candle yesterday and this was maybe a tell because china did not bounce much here um china's down significantly overnight so you're seeing a lot of obviously the chinese stocks follow through with the weakness here and wow we're really getting slammed here right now so again you gotta cancel orders i keep you can tell it's a volatile morning when i keep you know having to focus on the trading the reason is i'm trying to work out of stocks here some of the stocks and when i'm in the stocks i let you know but there's other stocks that you know i'm in here that i'm not talking about i'm trying to work out of them so at the same time so when you see s and p's fall seven eight ten points if i was trying to work out of something down a little bit some of my index arb trades and the index falls i've got to move orders around i've got to jockey around so that's why, you know, I'm very distracted here with the show this morning, as you can tell, um, because we've got some real chop here. We haven't had chop in the pre-market show like this in a while. Oh, no, we haven't. So Baba down five bucks. China's still ugly here. Um, if you look at all the China names across the board, they're ugly. Uh, bounces to be sold if you're in it for the short term. I'm in it for the long term. Um, so again, know your time horizon. Why did you buy it? Did you buy for a trade or did you buy for an investment? That's always key information to know. And that will tell you, you know, a little bit more what you need to do. All right. We just got U.S. retail sales for the first week of July up 3% on a week over week basis. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Month over month basis. I can't read that right. 3% uh, for uh, retail sales for the first week of the month. Um, and what else did I see here? I just saw a headline, a tweet about Wayfair come across my my uh, my Benzinger Pro News feed. They, uh, the subject of some short activity by a former Goldman a uh, guy and there was one other thing I saw that I wanted to I just saw it come across my pro feed and now I can't find it now in any case a uh, couple of quick announcements before we wrap up our show we have not one but two big CEO interviews coming up uh, still working on finalizing date but the CEO of uh, I'm sorry the CFO of Workhorse will be on our show wow. uh, and then the CEO of Nicola will be on. Actually, CEO, we're getting all electric here on this pre market. I, uh, that sounds I, like an electric show. Well, it's, it, it'll be different shows. Uh, oh. I confess, I confess, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce that. Is it? Is it Nicola? Nicola? Have I been saying it wrong as well? I may have been saying it wrong as well. I don't know. I don't know. I should probably figure that out before we chat. Help me out. Is it Nicola or Nicola? I I don't know. Maybe it's I'll find out before. We in any case, on. In, in any case, uh, the CFO of Workhorse. Uh, and the CEO of uh, Nicola, different days, but they, we are going to get them on the show in the next uh, week or two. So keep that on your radar for saying Nicola. That's what Nicola, I, that's that's what I, I think of. Too, is right? that Ricola? 
Yeah. <laughs> I always think of that too. Nicola, Ricola. Don't do not say that. We won't say that to the scene. When when he's on the show, please. Nicola. Wait, you weren't on with with Joel and I. Um, with with the head of Genius Brands. Do you know what Joel said to him? What did he say? <laughs> Joel said, "Oh, I cringe even thinking about what Joel might have said." <laughs> Joel said at the end of the thing, he goes, uh, I, "I have an idea for a show," and I'm like, "Oh, jeez, what is, what, what is he oh, going to no. say?" Uh, no. And he says, "Well, you know, you worked on Yogi Bear, right? Well, you need a Yogi Bull." And I was like, "All right, that wasn't that bad. That it wasn't that bad. It could have been a lot worse." Sometimes cringing when Joel's going, <laughs> "What's he going to say? What's he going to say?" <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> Let's wrap it up here. I want to thank our guest, Alan Brockstein. Please remember to hit that like button on our videos, on our channels. It helps us a lot with uh, the YouTube algorithm. So we appreciate that. The majority of our listeners are not subscribers. We would love it if you could subscribe. You'd get notified when we go live. And again, it helps us out with YouTube. Uh, thanks to all of you in our chat, all three of them. There's the chat on Benzinga Pro, the chat on premarket.benzinga.com and the chat on YouTube. Please remember all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes and not for investing or trading advice. Everyone have a great rest of your Tuesday. We'll be back with you tomorrow morning. Ah, spring. Nothing like the world progressing towards summer to inspire your own progress. That's what life's all about. In your career, relationships, and your finances. Let's talk about that last one. With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. So your weekly grocery run can feel even more productive. And that morning coffee can taste like a little victory. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities to get lower rates on loans, like for a new ride or finally having a home to call your own. Sounds like progress, right? With Chime's Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at chime.com slash build. That's chime.com slash build. Chime feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to chime.com slash disclosures for details. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.